All of the latest Marvel movies and TV shows have been talking about a new idea, the multiverse. What's a multiverse? Well, multiverse theory actually comes from theoretical physics. It posits that our universe is simply one of many parallel universes, and each universe is unique. The laws of physics might work differently in each of them, but this is where scientific theory leaves off and human imagination picks up. The idea in the Marvel movies is that if there's a multiverse, then maybe there's a million versions of me in each of these parallel universes. In fact, there's a whole group of TikTok influencers training their followers how to change their timeline, how to enter into a different universe. They're saying that you're in the wrong universe right now, which is maybe why your life isn't working out. But if you follow my method, you'll be able to teleport yourself into the right universe. This is what they say you have to do. You just take a really hot shower, you lather up with some aromatic soap, and then you turn it freezing cold, and you can use the water as a portal to enter into a different timeline. And they say that once you enter that timeline, your life is probably going to be better. So they took the seed of an idea from a Marvel movie. So, so, so they took the seed of an idea from a Marvel movie and applied it to, to real life. But this idea of the multiverse, it's become the theme of so much. It's the theme of the Loki TV show and the latest Spider-Man movie. And both of these, uh, and both of these Marvel franchises are asking a similar question. In a multiverse full of many Lokis, which version of Loki will our Loki be? In a world of many Spider-Men, which version of Spider-Man will our Spider-Man become? The drama in these movies and these TV shows, it's no longer about around having these wild superpowers that let you do wild things. The drama centers on something much more philosophical. Who am I? And given all the possible versions of me out there, how do I know which me to become? And what happens if I choose wrong? Does someone else define me or is it left up to me just to define myself and figure it out on my own? Now, obviously, this isn't just a question for Marvel superheroes. It's a question for all of us. And a recent Pew study suggested that we already have an answer. According to 91% of Americans, the key to finding your happiness is looking inside and being true to yourself. In other words, if you want to find the true you, don't go looking outside yourself. Look inside your own heart. In her best-selling book, Untamed, Glennon Doyle says that society wants to cage you. The truth is that inside you're a cheetah, you're wild, you're powerful, you're glorious, but you've allowed society to box you into a cage and to domesticate you. She says that the key to, that the key to being happy is being true to yourself, picking the right self by looking inside your own heart and leaving society's cage behind. This is what she writes about her own life. She said, I looked hard at my faith, my friendships, my work, sexuality, my entire life and asked, how much of this was my idea? Do I truly want any of this? Or is this what I was conditioned to want? Which of my beliefs are my own creation and which were programmed into me? How much of who I've become is inherent? And how much was inherited? How much of the way I look and speak and behave just how other people have trained me to look and speak and behave. How many of the things have I spent my life chasing are just dirty pink bunnies? Who was I before I became who the world told me to be? Over time, I walked away from my cages. I slowly built a new marriage, a new faith, a new worldview, a new purpose, a new family, a new identity by design instead of by default. From my imagination instead of from indoctrination. From my wild instead of my training. You can see the promise of freedom here, right? No one defines me but me. 
And Glennon Doyle, I mean, she's got some good points, doesn't she? Looking to culture, to friends, to family, to society to define you will almost always lead you astray. But does this mean that the only alternative is to look inside? What about looking to God? What about looking to Jesus? I mean, does happiness come uh, when I look in myself and find my identity? Or when I look to God and I receive my identity? See, the Bible sees self-definition as a temptation. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve eat the fruit God told them not to eat, they were giving in to the temptation to self-define. They were saying, in effect, God, I'll chart my own path. God, I'll define my own identity. God, I'll do things my way. I don't need you. I can look inside and find my own truth on my own. The question is whether Adam and Eve's self-defining was an act of tragedy or if it was an act of heroism. Again, Glenna Doyle, she writes this, maybe Eve was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model. Own your wanting. Eat the apple. What do you think? Do you think that the key to happiness is looking inside, being true to yourself? Should you own your wanting? Do you define you? Or does God define you? Isaiah warned this. He said, what are those who quarrel with their maker? Those who are nothing but broken pottery among the broken pottery on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, what are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? So again, I mean, who's right here? Glennon Doyle or Isaiah? And which path really leads to happiness? Which path will lead you to really knowing yourself? path leads you to true identity. I think about Oprah's recent interview with the singer Adele. Adele was sharing why she got divorced. And it wasn't because of any physical or verbal or emotional abuse. It wasn't because someone cheated on someone. It wasn't even that they were getting in fights all the time. She just said that her ex was a good guy and, and they're actually still friends. The reason she got divorced was because she looked inside and she saw that being married to him wasn't really the thing that she wanted. And it was making her unhappy. And Oprah, she celebrates this decision. She says, look, it's good that you're being true to yourself, that being true to your desires. You should get a divorce to pursue your happiness. And yet, when Oprah asked her, how's it going? She doesn't answer, well, I'm happier than other. Instead, she, in fact, she admitted that she's hurting right now because she sees how her decisions to pursue her, to, to pursue her inner self, to pursue that happiness that she thinks she sees on the inside. She said that she's hurting because she sees it hurting her son, Angelo. Uh, this is a quote from Adele. She said, if I can reach the reason why I loved, which is the pursuit of my own happiness, even though it made Angelo, that's her nine-year-old son, really unhappy, if I can find that happiness and he sees me in that happiness then maybe I'll be able to forgive myself for it. Adele's story and countless others beg the question, does looking at ourselves, defining our own selves, freeing that inner cheetah, does that actually lead to happiness? Or is this message just a Trojan horse? Is it a beautiful sounding idea that promises freedom, but on the inside, it's full of death and destruction? I ask this because the simple fact is that the vast majority of Americans would implicitly agree with Glennon Doyle. Whether or not you would do it consciously, we implicitly agree. I mean, go back to that Pew study. 84% of Americans said that their highest goal in life is just to enjoy themselves. And by the way, 66% of Christians agree with that statement. 91% of Americans say that, that the way to do this, the way to enjoy yourself, the way to, to be happy 
is by looking inside yourself and following your inner desires. In other words, we're a nation full of people who believe that the key to happiness is self-definition. The only way to know the happiest, best version of me, by the way, isn't by looking out there, it's not by looking at God, it's looking on the inside. But guys, have a question. I mean, how's that going for us? How's that going for you? Uh, does, does taking the pill of self-definition, does it actually, in the long term, make you happier, less depressed, less anxious? Well, let's just look at the numbers. Go back to 2019. 2019 actually set the record for anxiety disorders in the U.S. But 2020, of course, can't be beat. And those numbers quadrupled. And they haven't actually gotten any smaller since. In 2020, 62% of people said that they were more anxious than they were in the year before. In 2021, 41% of people said they were more anxious than they were in 2020. And 34% of people said they were in the exact same place. Everybody is anxious. I mean, speaking anecdotally, it seems like everybody I talk to is experiencing this low-grade, constant buzz of anxiety. It's different than the, the kind of ordinary anxiety that spikes up from life circumstances. You know, the kind that just comes and goes uh, depending on what's happening around you. I'm talking about a constant form of anxiety. It, that's terribly, I'm talking about constant form of anxiety, and it's terribly confusing because we can't even answer the question, why am I anxious? I, I don't know why, I, why I'm anxious. I, I just am. Maybe you feel that, anxious, but not quite sure about what. As I've talked to people, I've become increasingly convinced that this anxiety is linked to self-definition. You're constantly anxious. Maybe you're constantly anxious Maybe you're, conscious, you're constantly anxious because you're subconsciously being crushed by the weight of self-definition that this cultural moment is foisting on you. It promises you freedom, but in the end, what you're experiencing is it only gives you uncertainty, fear, and anxiety. Maybe we're anxious because we followed Eve's model, took the fruit, owned our wanting. But rather than opening up a world of freedom, possibilities, and happiness, it's opened up a world of insecurity and anxiety. Let me just ask, let me just ask a question. Why would self-definition make us anxious? I want to propose to you two reasons. The first reason is that self-definition doesn't give us certainty about our identity. It gives us an uncertain smorgasbord of potential identities. In his book, The Paradox of Choice, Barry Schwartz unpacks research that shows that the more choices a person's had, the more choices a person has, the more anxious he or she will become. For example, if you offer a person six different kinds of chocolate candies, they'll be happier with their choice than if you had offered them 36 different options of chocolate to choose from. As it turns out, having more options, it creates more anxiety and it kind of makes sense because when you know there's more options out there, you find yourself wondering, I mean, what if one of those other chocolates is better? According to Schwartz's research, the weightier a decision is and the more options we have, the more anxiety we experience. Freedom might sound appealing, but in reality, it's often emotionally costly. And it begs a question, I mean, what happens when your identity sits in your hands? When your identity... What happens when you're making choices?
So what happens when you're making choices about your identity? And the options seem absolutely endless. They stretch into a endless labyrinth of choices and options to, to be that person or this person. And the only guidance you have is what you see on the inside of your heart. Do I stay in this relationship or do I leave? Do I stay in this marriage or do I leave? Do I stay in this job? Do I go to this school? Do I do this side gig? Do I focus on these friends or those friends? Do I do this diet, this exercise regimen, this club sports team? This, you know all the different options and choices in front of you. And if the only guide you have is yourself, and if the only guide is you have is, is yourself, The anxiety, and if the only guide you have is yourself, the anxiety becomes overwhelming. Because you know the truth. You don't get everything right. And if you get this wrong, who you are wrong, there's only one person to blame for it, yourself. You see, self-definition doesn't give you freedom. It gives you uncertainty. uncertainty, fear, and anxiety. The second reason that self-definition creates anxiety, and this is the deeper reason, is that self-definition puts us in the place of the creator. And the weight of self-creation is absolutely crushing. You see, you don't actually have to make your own identity because it's already made. Again, you see, see, you are not your creator. You are not your maker. You are not, you see, you are not your own creator. You're not your own maker. You are not. That's a God-sized task that will crush you. You see, you are not your own creator. You are not your own maker. You weren't designed to define yourself. That's a God-sized task, and it'll crush you. Here's the truth. You have a maker already. He knows who you are. He doesn't need you to take a personality test or a strengths finder quiz to figure out you because he made you. He knows what will make you happy. He has a calling for your purpose in life. You'll never find it a purpose for your life. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to look and you don't have to make it up because you can't make it up. You're not your maker. You don't have to find it because you can only receive it from him. You're not your maker. David wrote this. David wrote this. Uh, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you 
when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know what good news this is? That you're created by God, not self-created? That he knows you? He can define you? He can guide you? How are you doing right now? Are you living with a low-grade anxiety of constant self-definition? Are you living under the pressure of not knowing who you are and yet being expected to find it inside? Are you crushed by the pressure of trying to make your identity? Are you crushed by the pressure of trying to make and discover your identity? When the reality is that you have a maker and your identity can only be received. In, in 2022, what if you made a resolution to experience less anxiety? Not by trying hard, but by actively receiving the gift of identity from Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. The point is not try hard, work hard to not be anxious. They're saying trust God. Not just with the circumstances that make you anxious, but trust God to define you and to be your guide. And when you do that, that sets you free from anxiety. So here's my radical suggestion for 2022. Make a resolution to stop looking inside yourself. Make a resolution to stop the empty efforts to just be true to yourself. Instead, accept the gift of, identity, of an identity defined by God. Let Jesus define you. Stop the anxiety, stop the exhausting, anxiety-inducing grind of self-discovery. Stand on solid ground, an identity given by your creator, 